Hello, gorgeous. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Jessica Harlow podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Harlow. You probably know me best for being a content creator in the beauty and self-help space. You can also find me on Instagram at Jessica Harlow, as well as on YouTube under the name Miss Jessica Harlow. I also recently wrote and released an ebook called Rewrite Your Life, which is all about the power of your subconscious mind and how to make your mind work for you. It's basically all of the shit that you wish you were taught a hell of a lot sooner. If you're interested, you can get more information as well as purchase and download your own copy by going to jessicaharlow.com book. Again, that's jessicaharlow.com book. So I'm back from a little bit of a hiatus and I don't want to waste your time because I know that a lot of you are really excited about having another episode come out. You've been waiting really patiently. And so I don't want to waste your time, especially because this week's episode is kind of a big one. It's got a lot of meat to it and there's a lot of information. There's a lot that I want to say, a lot I've got to say. So let's just jump right into it. So as you guys know, I'm very active on you know, Instagram, especially in my DMs. And also you guys tend to send me emails every now and then. And whenever I get something that I feel is worth sharing with basically the entire audience, every now and then something comes in where I'm like, oh, this is something that needs an episode. Like, I think that there's more people that need to hear this, can benefit from this. So that's um, basically where I'm coming from with this episode. This wasn't even intended to be the first episode that I would have when I would come back from the little hiatus that I took. But yeah, it was just something that I felt like couldn't wait. So let's just dive right in because again, there's a lot to talk about. There's, there's a lot of points I need to make and I don't want to waste your time. So here we go. So here's what the email said. A woman wrote into me and she said, Hi, Jessica, I listen to your podcast religiously and I love how the content is very real and relatable. And I really love how you discuss different ways to cope with all types of situations by changing the way you think about and approach them. Well, thank you very much. Um, But let's get into the main part of it. So she's like, I would like to hear your opinion about emotional manipulators. I feel like they can come in all shapes and sizes, meaning they're not as obvious as, say, an quote unquote emotional abuser. And that manipulation is a more discreet type of abuse. I dated a man who was seven years older than me. And for the first four to five months, he was awesome, going above and beyond. And I thought, wow, I finally found the one. I'm 31, by the way. But then naturally, all of those sweet things slowly stop. He begins to have an issue with my routine. He also would cry whenever I would voice my opinion, even though sometimes maybe I was too direct at times and my frustration would build and my patience would wear and I'd continually propose a break. He also never said sorry and almost never saw situations from my perspective. I slowly came to walk on eggshells in my own apartment that I paid for as he stayed there all the time. I know that I didn't set boundaries, but I also feel like him being so sweet in the beginning and then slowly complaining about me and then crying and going missing for hours after a fight are all forms of emotional manipulation. He didn't curse at me. He didn't he didn't ever scream at me, which is why after we broke up, I questioned my own behaviors, thinking that maybe I was bad to him until I realized he was living in my home for free, only paying the gas and electric, but He was making double my salary. All he ever did was sleep because he worked so much, and I knew nothing about his past because he never disclosed anything. 
When it ended, nine months later, it was over a fight because I freaked out when he told me that I don't have the right to make the decision that I wanted to be alone in my apartment for the night. I felt he really, really overstepped a boundary with that comment. He cried and then literally ghosted me, blocked me on everything, and wouldn't answer my messages even though he had my house key. 38 years old, and this is a normal way to break up? No. I think if you can do a podcast about how emotional manipulators can be hard to spot and don't always come forward as outright abusers who curse and demean someone. Okay, so there are so many points that I want to make. First and foremost, um, when we're talking about emotional manipulators, that they come in all different shapes and sizes, and they're not as obvious as an emotional abuser. Manipulation is a more discreet type of abuse. See, here's the thing. When people think of abuse, this is why sometimes people have an easier time admitting to and and recognizing something such as let's say physical abuse because physical abuse is obvious like it's visible it's you can see it you know what physical abuse looks like right but when it comes to emotional and mental abuse those are a little bit more subtle or they can seem a little bit more subtle more in the gray area because maybe what you think of as emotional or mental abuse like it looks a certain way so like she was saying like emotional and mental abuse looks like somebody who's cursing at you here's the thing abusers aren't stupid okay an abuser isn't stupid an abuser knows exactly what they're doing and they know just about how much they can get away with and for most people like emotional abusers do know Abusive people do know basically how much they can get away with with someone. And that's why it starts out as something that is very gradual. Like, for example, somebody who, let's say, you know, to bring up, let's say, physical abuse, you know, like we hear stories about people who are physically abused and they end up dead, right? Well, they're not going to end up dead nine times out of 10. They're probably not going to end up dead the first time the incident happens, right? It's probably like the hundredth time or something. Um, Or it's, at least most definitely not the very first time it occurs, correct? So an emotional abuser doesn't necessarily have to start cursing you out um, because that's that like most people are not going to sit for that, especially not in like the very early stages of something, right? Like that's something that sort of creeps in slowly. Abuse always always starts out as more discreet because typically somebody is testing the waters to see just how much they can get away with you get away with with you from you from the victim from the person that they are you know basically preying upon in a way um it's it is definitely something that occurs very discreetly somebody doesn't need to curse you out to be an emotional abuser in fact if somebody is even very good at emotional abuse they don't ever need to curse you out they don't ever need to curse you out because it doesn't benefit them to curse you out because then you would actually know what you're dealing with. And what do abusers and manipulators really thrive on? They thrive on keeping you off balance. And that's why you don't necessarily have to be a stupid person to be in something that is especially like an emotionally and mentally abuse abusive situation. So many more people have found themselves in those kinds of scenarios. Why? Because it's not as obvious. It doesn't look exactly like what you think it looks like. It's not It's not loud. It doesn't need to be loud. So abusers, they thrive again on keeping you off balance. They thrive on you 
not being certain. That's why gaslighting is also a huge thing with manipulators. It's basically like whatever you say, whatever you think you saw, whatever you think, no, like that's not what it was. That's not what it looked like. And in the end, what does it turn out to be? It turns out to be exactly what it looked like, exactly what you thought it was. But, you know, you won't realize that until like the very end because throughout, like during the course of all this happening, you were basically made to feel like you were crazy and like what you were seeing and what you were feeling and what you were thinking and your judgment wasn't accurate. Okay. So when she says that emotional manipulators come in all different shapes and sizes, I mean, emotional manipulators are abusers, period. There are spectrums to this. Of course, here's what I'm going to tell you that not a lot of people will tell you is that everybody is an emotional manipulator everybody like everybody is a manipulator everybody's manipulative to some extent but there's a very big difference between being let's say manipulative in the sense of being persuasive just because naturally we know that if we do certain things or say certain things or say certain things in a certain way you know we learn from very young that certain behaviors certain actions certain you know words phrases can get you certain reactions right so it almost becomes second nature it's not It's not a bad thing to be a persuasive person. I mean, you need to be persuasive to have some kind of success in your life, right? But the difference between somebody who is, you know, able to manipulate situations or be persuasive and somebody who's like an abuser is somebody who's being persuasive isn't necessarily trying to hurt anyone, okay? They're not, they're, it's all about intent. You know, somebody who's persuasive, you know, it's like, it, nobody really gets hurt. But an abuser doesn't give a shit if someone gets hurt. An abuser actually beyond whether they give a shit or not if you get hurt, actually they would prefer it if you get hurt because that feeds them. It feeds their ego. It makes them feel important. It makes them feel powerful. Um, it's a lot of the times why you'll see people who have kind of like a Napoleon complex. You can see them, you know, sort of displaying more of this kind of weirdly aggressive behavior, even if they're not necessarily hitting somebody or cursing someone out. Okay, you don't need to be hitting someone, you don't need to be cursing someone out in in order to be an emotional abuser. You don't need to. In fact, it's probably even better if you don't like if you are somebody who likes doing that, it's probably better that you don't and you go about it in a more subtle way. You know, it's different when you're trying to get somebody to do something that could not only benefit you, but also benefit them. Being an abuser is being someone who's like, kind of it's basically like being ruthless you're like I'll do anything I don't even care if I have to hurt this other person um, as long as I get what I want and if I hurt them even better as she was saying she was dating a man that was seven years older than her okay that's not really a tremendous age difference I think seven years isn't too bad at all Um, and for the first four to five months he was awesome going above and beyond and that's and I thought wow I finally found the one Now, here's the thing. When we're talking about emotional manipulators, emotional abusers, um, this is more often brought up with narcissists. But again, like I said, like everybody's an emotional manipulator to an extent. Well, same goes for narcissism. Like everybody likes to throw, throw around the phrase narcissist, right? Like everybody loves that label to call someone a narcissist. And to be very honest with you, everybody is a narcissist we are all narcissists. And to say that you're not is like, it's a lie because there is a spectrum. Okay. Everyone has narcissistic tendencies. Everyone has a bit of narcissism in them. It's natural. It's, it's not natural to not have any narcissism. We're all to some extent 
self-centered or self-absorbed or, you know, putting ourselves first, like to an extent being selfish. Now, people who are like highly on the narcissist spectrum, on the narcissistic spectrum, like where they're like 90%, you know, 80%, you know, on the narcissistic scale. I mean, those people are unsalvageable. There's usually other issues um, that go along with that. They tend to be sociopaths, psychopaths, or like rank really high. Because again, everything is kind of on a spectrum. So they kind of rank much higher in like psychopathy, sociopathy, when, when it gets to that kind of level of narcissism. Then there is another group of people who, let's say, maybe go around like the 50 to 60%, you know, scale where it's like, yeah, they got a lot of narcissistic tendencies. They're not necessarily like completely devoid of human emotion. Um, I feel like a lot of celebrities tend to fall around the 50-60%. Like celebrities, public figures tend to fall ar- somewhere around the 50-60%. You know, people who really like attention, really thrive on attention, the people who post 50 million selfies. Um, those are the people who tend to have like in that 50 or 60%, right? They're not necessarily terrible people. They're not, you know, devoid of human emotion, but they they have a lot of narcissistic tendencies more than, let's say, you know, the average person. And then I'd say like the average person, you know, a healthy amount of narcissism would be somewhere around like the 20 percentile, right? Like the 20, 25 percentile, right? Around there, that's kind of like the, the sweet spot in a way where, you know, you have a relatively healthy self-esteem, you know, your ego is not as fragile, that would be a really beautiful place to be. But as she was saying, the first four to five months, he was awesome going above and beyond, you know, all of those sweet things. Um, this tends to be brought up a lot when it comes to narcissists. But my, the point I was trying to make is like most people are narcissists or have narcissistic tendencies pretty much all people have narcissistic tendencies. Um, But people who fall higher on the scale, um, and from what I'm gathering about, like from this guy, I don't know if it's necessarily narcissism on his end, but like he's definitely an emotional abuser. This is something that gets thrown around a lot. Another phrase that gets thrown around a lot when it comes to narcissists, they talk about love bombing. However, at the same time, you know, all relationships have that honeymoon period like the first few months in a relationship are always going to be the best months of a relationship they're the most exciting the the, you know you still don't really know the other person things are interesting um however there is supposed to be kind of like a natural progression to things um too much too quick usually not not so good um and that tends to be something that emotional manipulators tend to do See, here's the thing, and I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something that people aren't going to like, but I'm going to say it anyway. When it comes to an emotional abuser, I'm going to say something that probably a lot of people aren't going to like, but it's just in my opinion what goes on is when you are a certain age, they will target you because you are an easier target, generally speaking. So 31 is a perfect time for someone to swoop in who is an emotional abuser, especially a guy who's seven years older. Why? Because they assume you are more desperate to become attached. Let's call it what it is. Most men, and like you could look on the internet, you can look and you could look on social media, you could look at memes and things like look at what the other side is saying. They know when a woman reaches around the age 27, 28, 31, 32, they, the average woman, what does she want to do at that point if she's not yet married? 
She wants to get a ring on her finger as fast as possible. She wants to get married. She wants to have children. And she's got about five minutes to do it all. So this makes a woman in that age group a particularly interesting target. Now, if you are in that age group and it's not necessarily like, you know, the most important thing for you to get married, if you're not in any kind of rush to get married, if you are, you know, like it's not like you don't really care, you know what I mean? Um, one way or another, like if you're like myself, where I'm just like, that's not really a priority for me. Like if it happens, great, if it doesn't, whatever. Um, now, if you are not feeling that pressure, you can actually see things a little bit more clearly. Okay, and you are less hesitant to pull yourself out of the situation. But if you are a woman who is around that age group, in that age group, and mm, a little bit desperate, a little bit like, uh oh, clock is ticking, you're going to have a problem. And you might waste a lot of time. So open up your eyes and be aware. I'm just going to say that. I'm going to say that people don't like to say that anymore, but it still exists. There's a lot of people who feel pressured to, you know, get married, like especially in that age bracket, because God forbid the worst thing that could ever happen to a woman is, oh my God, she's not married yet. Ugh, how pathetic. Um, anyway, I don't make up these rules. This is just, this is the way it is. It, I mean, it's phasing out, but it's still taking a long, long time to phase out. Um, but anyway, it makes you more of a target. So to somebody who is an emotional abuser, so that in a sense already is a red flag. They're like, shit, I could get away with a little bit more here than I could maybe with someone else who would be quicker to leave. This is not meant at all as an insult. Um, it's just kind of like a natural thing that I think a lot of people go through. Um, I mean, I've witnessed it in people and, uh, it's just, it's, it, this is, this is why I tell people don't rush your kids to get married just because they're at a certain age, because they might pick somebody that's really not right for them. Um, just out of, you know, trying to keep up with the, you know, the schedule of things anyway. So first four to five months were awesome. Again, that's kind of, you know, normal for most relationships. However, if it was kind of like a little bit too much or a lot too much, it's what's typically called and referred to as love bombing, which emotional manipulators love. See, an emotional manipulator, they kind of get good at this, especially someone who's, okay, he's seven years older than her. So he was like 38 years old. Yeah, like the guy's probably been doing this for so long. He kind of knows I mean, we're animals. We can pretty much sniff each other out. And emotional manipulators are really good at seeing what the other person really wants and then like giving them that. You know, there's a saying that, you know, the devil doesn't always show up with like the red horns and the red skin and the tail and the pitchfork. The devil shows up as everything you could ever want. Okay, of course, it's going to show up in a way of like, how could I ever refuse this? It comes and shows itself to you as basically everything you could ever want. Uh, a lot of the times people get into relationships with people that at first it's like you feel like you've hit the jackpot. You feel like you've won the lottery. You're like, oh, my God, this person is absolutely every like almost every single box is being ticked off. And then some like from and and what do you end up with? Oh, you end up with the devil, honey. Mm -hmm. Be very, very careful because looks can be incredibly deceiving. Uh, presentation is something that emotional manipulators are really, really skilled at because they know, they just know the fantasy already that they need to create. And it's not very hard for a 38-year-old man to 
know what the fantasy is of a 31-year-old unattached woman. It's not that difficult, right? So this is what emotional manipulators are really good at. They're, they know the fantasy. They know how to make that fantasy come alive for you. And human beings, you know, we like to say that we're rational, but we really aren't. We all want, we all want fantasy. We've all got fantasies. We all want fantasies. I mean, this is why strippers make so much money. It's because they know what the fantasy is and they know how to sell that fantasy. Do you know what I mean? So anyway, I digress. But naturally, all those sweet things slowly started to stop he begins to have an issue with my routine. This to me is the first and probably the most obvious red flag. And again, these things are subtle, like the first four to five months being amazing, him going above and beyond. It's subtle because you're like, well, it's early in the relationship. He should be doing, you know, the best. Like, of course, he should be putting, you know, his best foot forward. Of course, he should be doing all the things he's supposed to do. And then some like, why not? And you almost think to yourself like, no, he's doing what's right right? Well, yeah, but hold on a minute, because then has an issue with my routine. The sweet things start slowly start to stop, and then he has issues with my routine. So see, already there's the pullback, the withdrawal. You give someone everything, and then you rip it away, slowly and quickly, and then you start complaining. The routine. A lot of people don't realize this, However, I know someone who is a literal, she's a, she's a psychopath. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. She's a psychopath. And let me tell you something. You can learn a lot from psychopaths. Like a, keep, keep a large distance from them, but you can learn from them. And I remember she told me that the number one thing to never change is your routine. Okay. Now this is something that a lot of people do not realize because, you know, naturally you think to yourself, well, I'm in a relationship. So of course, like I'm going to, you know, spend more time with this person. Of course, I'm going to have less time for, you know, my friends and other things. Yes, absolutely. Like, of course, it's a natural part of when you get into a relationship, you're going to have less time for certain things and you're going to spend more time with the other person. However, however, (laughs) your routine needs to remain the same like you need to hold on to your routine with like both fists and like white knuckle it because your routine is actually part of your identity and the more you let go of what you normally do the more you start distancing yourself from your normal routine especially in favor of someone else because of the new person that you're attached to Oh, be prepared. Be prepared for the brick wall to come down later. Because if and when it does, and it typically does, you will feel like you don't even know who the fuck you are anymore. And that is the power of an emotional manipulator, an emotional abuser. That's the goal. The goal is to basically strip you of who you are. It's essentially, it's the fantasy that everyone has where they're like, I'm going to change someone right? Like sometimes you meet someone, they're not quite what you want them to be. There's a lot of like things about them. You're like, no, 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 they'll change for me. And it's like, "Mm, no, but everybody has the fantasy. It's why Fifty Shades of Grey did so well. It's because, you know, she changed the the bad boy. She changed him. So in a way, you know, an emotional manipulator kind of has that same that same goal. The emotional abuser has the same goal. They want to change you. But instead of like changing you for the better, they're going to change you so much that you don't even recognize who you are and they leave you. 
because the more they detach you from yourself, the more you will attach to them, the more that they will become a part of your identity. So once they've pushed you out of the way, pushed you out of your own way, out of your own grasp, then they will pull themselves away as well. And then what are you left with? You don't even fucking know because you don't have them and you don't have yourself. Okay. And that's the most damaging part of an emotionally abusive person. So the routine, the, the sweet thing slowly starting to stop. See, this is another form of manipulation. Withdrawing like affection, withdrawing what they got you accustomed to, and then starting the complaints about things like your routine. They don't want you to have a routine. They don't want you to have an identity. That's not, that's not, the, that's not the plan here. The plan is they are the routine, they are the sun, and you revolve around them. An emotional abuser will want to take over your routine, but also they want to make sure that you don't have, like, of course, you're going to spend less time with your friends. Of course, you're going to spend less time doing certain things. However, you want to make sure that you are maintaining enough time with yourself and still maintaining your connections with other people because an emotional abuser wants to isolate you. Why? Because it's easier to control you that way. It's easier to manipulate you that way. It's easier to do all of those things if you don't have time to consult someone else, an outsider. Outsiders can very often see things a lot more clearly than someone who is very close to the topic, emotionally involved, emotionally invested. It's harder to see things when you're too close to what's going on. Sometimes people looking from the outside in have a much clearer perspective and they also have the luxury of detachment, more detachment than the person who's in it. Besides that, the isolation, isolating you from other people, they're also wanting to isolate you from yourself. They don't want you to have too much time to really think and consider and think like, wait a minute, that was really weird, that thing that they said that time. What did that mean? Or wait a minute, that thing looked kind of, mm, that didn't feel so well. Or, what, did, what did they mean by that? What did this mean? What did that mean? Mm-hmm. They don't want you to do too much of that. They don't want you to have too much of independent thought. And on the other hand, they don't even want you to trust your independent thought. Once they know that you're not even trusting your independent thought, that's when they might actually start to leave you alone. Now, this, of course, doesn't necessarily apply to the to this email. Some things that I'm saying aren't necessarily applying to this very person's situation. Again, there's certain things that I don't know. I only know what I've seen in this email, but it's just some things that are important to mention and worth mentioning and considering because you never know. You might be involved with an emotion manipulator and really not be able to see it so clearly until somebody like highlights certain things and you're like, holy shit. (laughs) Moving on. He would also cry whenever I would voice my opinion, even though sometimes maybe I was too direct at times and my frustration would build and my patience would wear and I'd continually propose a break. Ugh, like, all right, okay. Another thing I once learned, a man told me this once and he basically said that men don't cry unless they're bored. And you know what? The first time I heard that, I was like, nah. Now as an adult, I got to tell you, like I've seen men cry. I've seen a lot of guys cry. I've made a lot of guys cry. They never cried when they were busy. (laughs) I've never seen a busy man cry. I have only seen bored men cry. 
really literally I've only seen bored men cry. Now, obviously, before anybody gets up in arms, because everybody, you know, when somebody makes a generalization, they're like, no, but when that's not true, because there was this exception and that exception, it's like, listen, there's exceptions to everything. Like, do we really need to address that there are exceptions to literally everything that could possibly be said? That's obvious. That's obvious. And I know it's like the internet and everybody wants to get like all up on their high horse and be like, no, there's exceptions to the rule. Yes, there are. However, the generalizations are generalizations because in general, that's what happens. Okay. Unless it's something like really tragic, you know, that really stops them in their tracks. That's about it. Otherwise, they ain't crying. You're voicing your opinion. He's crying. Maybe I was too direct at times. Yeah. Okay. You know, sure. You know, men like to think everything's their idea. We know that. But um, uh, somebody who cares about you is going to try to see things from your perspective. That's what I have to say. In my experience, it doesn't matter how you say something so much. If somebody really cares about you and really wants to make it work with you, they're going to at least try to see things from your perspective. The person who's being stubborn, who, like she said, never said sorry, almost never saw situations from my perspective. Yeah, they're not they're not really trying to make anything work, at least not for the both of you. You know what I mean? Like they're not, you know, because think about it. There's people who we could have been very stubborn with, um, but they were probably people we weren't really that invested in. Right. Think about it. Think about it. Be really honest because a lot of the times, you know, you don't necessarily need to be like an emotional abuser to have, you know, done things that weren't right in your life with certain people, right? Every Nobody's perfect. Um, you know, it depends on, you know, the season. It depends on what, you know, season of your life you were in or what you knew at that time, um, what you were emotionally intelligent enough to, you know, comprehend at that time, your awareness, your self-awareness. I mean, there's a lot of factors, right, throughout your life. However, if you really care about somebody, you're gonna try. Like, it's just like how they say, like, you know, just like how you are sitting here, basically, like he's showing you all these red flags and you're sitting there with the white paint and the bleach, like lightening them, painting them, you know, because you care. Why wouldn't he do that with you? Because isn't that that's what you're kind of supposed to do in relationships. Nobody's perfect. People are going to do things that are not your favorite. And you either will have to find a way to work with it or, you know, address it in a way that you can, you know, make a change and a compromise, right? Like that's what people who are both like caring of each other will do. But if it's one person doing all of the emotional labor and all of the mental labor and the other person is not budging, that's not at all a healthy relationship. And then on the other hand, they don't want to see things from your perspective because that to an emotional abuser, they don't want to do that because that then validates your perspective. That then validates your thoughts, your experiences. And what an emotional abuser doesn't want to do is validate your experience, validate your perspective, validate your intelligence, even your reasoning. No, you to a to someone who is an emotional abuser will only be made to feel as though you are unreasonable. You aren't sane. You aren't logical. You're the one who's just being crazy. 
Mm-hmm. Crazy. Emotional manipulators love to call people crazy. You almost feel like maybe you are crazy because you're starting to feel crazy. You're starting to feel like nothing is making sense. And then it isn't until after the relationship is over and you get your perspective and you start to regain your sense of self. And that's when you realize, oh, wow, I wasn't crazy. I was actually just like it was exactly what I thought. Never doubt yourself. If it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's most probably not a fucking squirrel. So he never said sorry, never saw situations from my perspective. Well, of course, because also another thing an emotional manipulator wants to do, an emotional manipulator wants to do is they don't want to take any kind of responsibility. They're fine. You're the one that's the problem. It's all your fault. They've done nothing. You need to change. You need to analyze your your actions. You need to check how you're talking to them, but they don't have to check anything. So I slowly came to walk on eggshells in my own apartment that I paid for as he stayed there all the time. Yeah, that's the point. The point is they're in charge. You're not. You're going to walk on eggshells. They're not. So yeah, that's, that's the point. I slowly came to walk on eggshells in my own apartment that I paid for as he stayed there all the time. I know that I didn't set boundaries Absolutely. See, you're see, here's the thing. Like I'm reading this and you have so much self-awareness. You're being realistic. You're being fair. You're looking at your side of the things. You're looking at your side of the street, keeping your side of the street clean, checking on yourself. You know, am I doing things right? Am I not? You know, how could I do something better? Like you're doing all of that and he's doing absolutely nothing. And that's the biggest indication that you are in a toxic, toxic scenario. It's you're doing all of the emotional labor and they're not. First, they seem like they were so perfect, so understanding, so wonderful, you know, within those, like she was saying, those first four to five months. Yeah, but then he just dropped his end of the bargain, like dropped his, he dropped the ball on his end, but you continued with your end and are expected to continue to hold up your end. Yeah, walking on eggshells in my own apartment. I didn't set boundaries. Absolutely. Number one, number one thing I have to say to every single woman, like literally every single woman that's listening to this, and I don't care that it's 2019. I really don't care. Like, there is no one who cares less about it being 2019 than me. Like, I really do not care that it's 2019. Never, ever, ever, ever put a man in your home. If it's yours, If it is yours, if you are the person who is paying the rent, if you are the person whose mortgage it is, you do not allow them to live with you, period. Unless he's Jesus Christ reincarnated, you do not allow any man to be in your own home. When it's your home, do not put a man in it. You can go to his home or you can go to a home together like a new home together, but do not put him in your home. Because typically, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to say another thing. And like I said, first and foremost, I don't care that it's 2019. There's nobody that doesn't give a shit about it being 2019. A lot of what's going on right now is there's a big lie that's being spread and like spoon fed and force fed into people's mouths that gives people the illusion that men and women are equal. Men and women are not equal. They're not equal. They're equally capable in many, many ways, but they are not 
actually equal. Yes, they deserve equal, you know, respect and, you know, be treated like human beings, like absolutely. Um, but they're, they're not equal. They're equally capable. And biology, okay, let's bring it back to biology. Biology is not at all politically correct. Science isn't politically correct. Like, let's get this out of the way. And there is nothing wrong with that because people aren't equal. Everybody has strengths, weaknesses. Everybody's different. We're not all exactly the same. We all have different abilities. Now, men and women, yeah, they're equally capable as one another, equally as capable as one another in very, 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 very many respects. Absolutely. But we are not equal. Men and women are not equal. Men are the hunters, women are the gatherers. And I've got to say, if a man is beneath a woman, okay, what do I mean by this? Like, I don't mean beneath, like, you know, like beneath, but I'm just saying like in the sense of if a man makes less money than a woman, it's a problem. Now, she says he was making twice her salary. You know, in one sense, you would be like, well, then that makes him feel like a man. Well, apparently he's got other issues, though. It's not always about money and finances. It does play a very, very large role. Majority of marriages that end, they don't end because people cheat. They end because of financial issues. Okay, like it's not always just about, you know, like, oh, someone cheated on me. People will stay with each other for cheating, but people will break up real quick once it comes down to dollars and cents, okay? Like that's the stuff that really breaks up marriages is finances. So it doesn't always have to do with that, but it that does play a very big role for the most part. But this is telling me this guy's got other psychological issues that make him in some way, shape or form feel inferior. So that's why he acts out in this way. You know, if you're a woman and you like really seriously out earn a man, he should not be living with you. He should not be living with you. Now, granted, if you're significantly out earning him and you go live with him, he's probably not going to, you know, have the same kind of, you know, lifestyle that you are accustomed to, which is like already that's going to make somebody like tumbleweeds in the panties uh, eventually. Um, But you have to understand that like a man should not be living with a woman. Okay. He should not be living with a woman. You go live with him or you go and get something together. You know, you start fresh together somewhere. It creates a very odd dynamic. And it, in one sense, and here's where it gets dangerous, because you might think, well, it's my, you know, home, so I'm the one in charge. But you would be really surprised, especially when somebody is emotionally and mentally abusive, a manipulator, or, you know, when you start to get to know that someone isn't quite who you thought they were you'd be very surprised at how quickly the tables turn and they can basically control you in your own home, even if you're the one who's paying for everything. It's very bizarre. I've witnessed it from when I was a child. And ever since I was a child, like I just knew, like just from watching my parents, I was like, I will never allow a man to live with me, period. He's not living with me. I'll live with him. We can go live somewhere together. Um, uh, nope, nobody's living with me. Mm-mm, mm-mm, not, nope, nope, honey. Mm-mm. That's why. Now, obviously, there's exceptions. There's people who they do just fine. You know, that's, that's great. I think it's wonderful. Look, my, my goal for everybody is to be happy. Like everybody should be happy. I would love if everybody could just be happy. But you have to be realistic too. Generally speaking, you got to be very careful about who you're getting involved with. 
I know I didn't set boundaries, but I also feel like him being so sweet in the beginning and then slowly complaining about me and then crying and going missing for hours after a fight are all forms of emotional manipulation. Absolutely. You know, he didn't curse at me. He didn't ever scream at me, which is why after we broke up, I questioned my own behaviors, thinking that maybe I was bad to him until I realized, you know, he was living in my house for free and all these things. Well, here's the thing. If somebody, this, that's why like emotional abuse doesn't need to look like anything. Like it doesn't need to look big and loud. In fact, most of the times it doesn't really look like that. And especially it doesn't typically look like that very early on in most cases. Um, if somebody, if you are confronting somebody about something, now look, a lot of people, there there are a number of people in the world who aren't confrontational. They're not comfortable with confrontation. But it's one thing when somebody like is feeling really emotional and they like withdraw from the scenario to cool off, collect themselves, compose themselves, and then come back and actually handle it with you. That's different. That's much healthier. But someone who is basically like shutting you out and not acknowledging you and just focusing on how you are making them feel and that's going to be the most important thing. And it has to be not just the most important thing to them, but it has to be the most important thing to you also. So it's basically telling you, communicating to you that like, yes, you're upset, but you being upset has now upset me. Like you're upset at me. So now I'm upset and like, Maybe we'll get to you and why you were upset originally, but like now it's a problem that I'm the one that's upset. So put your shit to the side and handle my being upset first. Like that's all that matters to me. And I want that to be the only thing that matters to you. And that's that. And maybe like after we've dealt with my shit, maybe we can like talk about why you were upset in the first place. Maybe. Typically with an emotional abuser, your side of the issues. Mm, probably won't really be resolved. They might be resolved just enough to like let the fight go to the side, but not enough for that fight to never reoccur again. Why? Because in order for it to never reoccur again, they would need to change their behavior. They would need to change, not just you, them. And they're fine with like, if you want to do some work, if you want to do more work for the relationship, that's fine. But they're not going to do more work. This happens. And look, this this kind of stuff happens. It doesn't necessarily need to be with like a, you know, horrible human being. Now, this person, I don't know if he's necessarily a horrible human being, but he's definitely a very flawed human being as far as what I'm seeing. Um, definitely very flawed, definitely has some issues that he needs to work out. He might not be a horrific human being, but I mean, he's just not the right human being for you or probably for anyone because these kinds of issues aren't things that are necessarily like they have to do with the person that, you know, the, it's, it's not necessarily about the relationship. It's about the person as an individual. From what I'm reading here, it's like, well, whatever these issues are that he has, you know, it has nothing to do with you. He's still going to have these issues anyway, and they're just going to be there whether you're with him or not. Um, yeah, he didn't curse at me or ever scream at me. Again, it doesn't need to look any certain kind of way. Like a lot, this is why physical abuse is so, you know, obvious because it's physical. We see it. We can see it. We know what it looks like. We, we know the visual of it. Emotional and mental abuse. We don't really have an exact picture of that. Like maybe we might only have the extreme picture of it, which is somebody again, like screaming, cursing and yelling at you and putting you down. But I mean, I've been in situations where I was definitely emotionally, you know, manipulated and mentally abused, etc. And I've got to say, like, 
none of these people, none of them ever cursed at me, ever. Like, I was never cursed at. Um, it was more of like little jabs, critiques, judgments, negs, um, just like more of a subtle thing. And here's the thing, you know, when it comes to physical abuse, physical abuse always is combined with, you know, mental and emotional abuse. Um, so even with physical abuse, like if it was just simply physical abuse, when you get out of the relationship, you're no longer being physically abused, you would be fine, right? But you're not. Typically, with people who are physically abused, they can leave the situation, they can leave the, the, the relationship, but they're still, you know, their their emotional and mental health definitely has taken quite a hit um, because it has an effect on that. It's much the same way as if someone ha wasn't physically abused. The emotional and mental abuse part of everything is what takes the longest probably to heal and is the most difficult and painful part to heal because I was watching this clip from Mel Robbins. I'm going to link it in the description box below because I found it wild. Now, this was more or less about procrastination. She was talking about why people procrastinate, um, especially people who were mentally and emotionally abused. Um, but she said something that I still think applies to this, even though we're not talking about procrastination. But she said that what makes like emotional mental abuse so difficult to overcome is especially if you've become used to that, whether it was something that was like from your childhood or in your relationships or, you know, maybe it was both. Um, what happens is, is even when you've removed those people from your life or you've removed yourself from those people's lives, um, just because they're no longer there telling you these things like putting you down um, or making you feel certain ways, because you're so used to that experience, even though they're not around, you will continue to do those things for yourself. It's like you'll take over. And that's what happens to a lot of people. It's, it's like a familiarity. As unhealthy as it is, it's familiar. And human beings are very routine, habitual animals, um, unless they're absolutely like just you know, they, they're like adrenaline junkies or they love lots of uncertainty. They love a lot of chaos. You know, it, it, those are the, the kinds of people who move around a lot, you know, people who move around a lot, people who can't stay in one place a lot or people who jump from job to job a lot or, you know, just have like so much happening all at once. They tend to be so psychopaths. Um, not all, but there's a tendency for those kinds of people. to There's something going on um, underneath the surface. Um, sometimes, but, but most of the time people are routine, right? People are routine creatures. And when we become used to something, even if it's something that's not necessarily good for us, we're still used to it. And again, there's that feeling of we, we kind of crave a bit of familiarity because familiarity makes us feel secure because even if it's not great, we know what it is there aren't as many surprises. We know how to handle it because we've been handling it. That's what we were handling. So that's what makes, you know, emotional and mental abuse so, makes it so important to be aware of these red flags and to be aware of what's really going on and to always kind of have an awareness. Because the thing is, you know, you don't have to be stupid to be emotionally abused. I mean, a lot of the times when you see people who have been emotionally abused, 
um, taken advantage of, etc. A lot of the times these people could actually be very intelligent people, very attractive people, um, you know, very talented people, very gifted people, etc. And that's the thing where they say like a lot of the times emotional abusers will they seek out those types of people because it's more fun for them to watch them destroy those kinds of people. And again, it's like that changing fantasy, but like in a very negative way. It's not like changing for the better. It's changing for the worse. They kind of, they, it makes them feel powerful because there's something inside of them that is deeply, deeply wounded or twisted, or messed up, however you want to look at it. It happens a lot because it's a very subtle thing and it starts out in very, very subtle ways. And, you know, it could remain pretty subtle even for the long haul. Like, it, you know, not all emotional manipulators and abusers are going to turn into complete, like, monsters in a very visual, audible sense. Again, it could be very quiet. Um, but it's still something that, even if it's subtle, eventually over time, it snowballs. And by the time you realize it and it becomes very obvious or way more obvious, it can be like you've already gone quite far, quite far. So let's go over to the end of the email where she says, you know, she wanted to be alone in her apartment for the night and he completely flipped out. Well, he completely flipped out because it's, it's again, it's a control thing. If you have somebody who's not comfortable with you being alone for a night, I mean, every human being has the right to have some alone time. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong when, you know, you're in a relationship and you want to have at least one night to yourself and saying that you don't have the right to make a decision. Like, how crazy is that? Like, you don't have the right. Like, that's so that's so wild. And I felt like he really overstepped the boundary with that comment. He absolutely did. He absolutely did. He cried and then he literally ghosted me, blocked me on everything, wouldn't answer my messages. 38 years old and this is a normal way to break up. No, it's not at all a normal way to break up, but he did you a huge favor and yeah like ghosting you ghosting you after nine months see a lot of what was coming up here like the way it ended is very interesting because it matches how he would handle um you know fights that you guys would have like you said he would go and disappear for hours um basically like giving you the silent treatment and ghosting is you know in a way it is kind of a form of the silent treatment and it's one of the probably one of the cruelest things that you could do to a person. I think we are all guilty of ghosting people at some point or another. But like to do that, especially to somebody that you were like with for nine months, that's that's just, I, but it's a reflection of who he is. It's a reflection of who he is. But, you know, he showed you, he was showing you who he was and the way he was handling um, confrontations. It's not really a surprise to me that he would end the relationship in that way by ghosting you and not speaking to you ever again. Because... In a way, if he had let you win that and allowed you to have that night to yourself, then it's like it's already he's turned over his power. You know what I mean? He's turn, turning over his power. And then he knew, like, what else is she going to, you know, try to have control over? You know what I mean? And um, I guess in that at that moment, he realized he was losing power. So the only way for him to take that back was to pretty much ghost you and silence you and like nothing you say matters and you know blocking you etc like nothing you say matters and that's really you know one of the cruelest things to do to a person is basically you know give the silent treatment it's actually really 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 cruel to do that to somebody especially over like this is literally nothing like you just wanted a night alone 
Like, really? Like, you didn't say I want a night alone so I can go fuck the mailman. You said I want a night alone. You know, like, if he did this after you said something like that, we'd be like, okay, well, what'd you expect him to do? Like, absolutely, he would do that. Any self-respecting person would react that way. But, like, just have a night alone to yourself in your own apartment. Like, that's already, like, he's basically telling you, like, I'm the one in control here. Uh, He did you a favor. He did you a favor. But honestly, this was such a great email because there's just there were so many layers to this and so much to be said. And it really um, is so important. And I think I hope that I said a number of things that can really be helpful to a lot of people because not everybody really talks about these things. Um, but yeah, things are really it's it's very subtle. Now, this isn't me trying to, you know, get everybody paranoid. Like I said, there's generalizations. I made lots of generalizations in this. You know, there's always exceptions to the rule. But it, you know, you have to really look at things and make sure that you are actually truly looking at an exception and that you're not just sitting here, you know, taking red flags, dipping them in bleach, painting them white, like doing the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like you want to make sure that you're actually looking at an exception. And at the same time, another thing that I'm going to say is sometimes people can present themselves to you in a way that for whatever reason, for whatever reason under the sun, um, makes them seem exceptional. You have to understand, you know, especially people who are emotional manipulators. Now, this isn't necessarily only exclusive to people who are emotional manipulators or emotional abusers, but you have to understand that emotional abusers, abusers in general, you know, people who are kind of like con artists in a way, they're not like they're really good at selling you things. Do you know what I mean? They're really good at selling you on whatever version of themselves that they think you would prefer to see in front of you, right? So there's people who will, in a way, kind of sell themselves to you as a an exception. You know, maybe to an extent we all do it. You know, we all kind of want to set ourselves apart from people, right? Like everybody wants to set themselves apart. But it's done in a very different way with people who are more on the side of like the emotional abusers. Again, pay attention to if you are actually looking at somebody who is exceptional, somebody who is an exception. And even still, like you should always have very clear standards for yourself, clear limits for yourself, clear boundaries. Because if you start making exceptions for people just because you think they're exceptional nine times out of ten it might blow up in your face nine times out of ten because when you start treating someone like someone appears to you as exceptional and you start acting as though they are exceptional what you end up doing is you end up putting them on a pedestal and whenever you put something on a pedestal you are keeping it kind of like out of reach you are placing it above you And you are basically all of a sudden it's a slippery slope and you're bending over backwards to try to keep this person on this pedestal that you put them on there happy. And in the end, you're the one that suffers. So yeah, that's pretty much. (laughs) I don't even know how long this episode was. I feel like this was an extremely long episode, but there was so much to it. I hope you got something out of it. I hope that it 
benefited you, helped you out in some way, gave you something to think about, maybe gave you an aha moment, that, that'd that be great. Um, if you like this podcast so far, please give it a rating and a review on iTunes. It really helps the show to grow. I like five stars. Feel free to share it with a friend of yours, somebody who you feel like could really benefit from it. Um, do me a favor, screenshot this episode. If you enjoyed it, screenshot it, share it on your Instagram, tag me, I'll repost you. It really helps the show to grow. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you found it really helpful. And as always, I look forward to talking to you again next Thursday.